Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everybody, to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. This is episode 49. Uh, we are almost to the half century mark. Um, and I'll, I want to introduce to you um, my colleague, Curtis Wister, the Allen's Coffee Brandy to my Moxie. How are you doing today, Ooh, uh, Curtis? I'm doing great. I think I need a little Allen's to do a little right? better, but wow, I like gotta, this. Got to put the Allen's in the coffee cup and <laughs> add a little milk and, and you have your you have your mixed drink. There you go. So, well, we typically do a guest and we typically kind of do some sort of interviewing. Um, we're actually going to do things a little differently today. And, um, and actually, uh, I've been, uh, I, uh, Curtis and I both are sports fans, right? So, you're right. A little bit. So we, just a, um, just a little, just a little bit. Um, uh, I, and I, I like listening to, uh, I've listened to Christopher Russo, uh, who's known as the mad dog and, you know, New York city, uh, uh, sports, uh, jockey guy. And he's, he's all over baseball and oh, he, he kind of goes baseball. One of the things in his show he does on the mad dog show is he calls it sports potpourri. Right, he just covers everything. Right, anything you want to talk about, he just kind of calls it uh, that sports potpourri. It's like, well, geez, what that would be kind of a fun little thing to do for our show is to do retirement potpourri. So we're titling today's show "Retirement Potpourri." So we're going to cover a little bit of a mixed bag of everything today. Um, the first thing we want to do is give you guys a little bit of a update on Guidance Point Advisors. So uh, a few things going on. One is we typically have three of us as co-hosts <laughs> for this show. Today we have two. Um, so want to explain uh, our colleague Abby is out on maternity leave. Yep. So uh, had her baby out, out on maternity leave and, and everything's going great there. We wish her the best and wish her well. Uh, we are staying out of her way and out of, uh, out of life was which you hope to do when people are out. Uh, so Curtis and I are holding down the fort, uh, doing our best to uh, to not replace, but to but to impersonate Abby wherever <laughs> we can. So so that's the first part to kind of catch up on. Um, so from our client perspective, we we knew Abby was going to be out, and of course we've done quite a few shows with her over the summer, uh, mm. building up to it. Uh, so Curtis and I have uh, been doing a lot of meetings with our clients uh, and informing Abby's news to them first. And right now what we have is a, as, as client things come up, um, Curtis and I are, are really kind of on the front line, kind of responding to those and, and really being ahead of it. So, which is why I think why maybe we might be a little bit tardy with this episode on the, on the release date, but, but no, that's the reason why. From a from a client perspective, um, you know we are seeing, you know we I think over the summer we started opening up a little bit, started doing some more in person meetings. Again, some people are comfortable uh, masking and not masking, and so I think with us when people are reaching out, we we just been sensitive to everyone has a different level of sensitivity about vaccinations and masking and not masking. Mm -hmm. So uh, with that. Uh, I think that's been our conversation with every meeting is just checking in and making sure that 
hey, you are comfortable if you're sitting down with us. And I think that's been a really important thing of adding to our kind of client experiences. We don't want people to feel awkward when they're coming in, yeah. nor feel like um, they're uh, maybe they're taking a risk that they don't want to take or um, or they, again, for whatever reason, they just don't feel comfortable. So that, I think that's been kind of a change. And now we have, of course, Delta variant that's on the upswing. So yeah. that has been changing almost every day, right? Is yeah. people might be okay with things yesterday and different with things today. So again, that's why it's important for us. We, we keep checking in and, and make sure we're just sensitive to how people are um, wanting to meet with us and how they want to engage with us there. Uh, I'll, I'll also share with, we've, we've actually, uh, you know, we're going to talk retirement potpourri a little bit today, but we've actually experienced um, more and more of our clients either that were engaging with us pre-retirement have, have started to pull the trigger more. Is they're they're starting to say, "Look, I feel confident and comfortable enough to retire." Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a lot of downtime for for a lot of us, uh, yeah. but for those that are especially pre-retirement, starting to visualize what retirement looks like and what they want to mean. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot more planning. And done a lot more, uh, hey, if this is the scenario, if I retire at this age and these are the things I want to do, can I afford it? Um, is that sustainable? All those things are are being talked about right now with our clients. Uh, and, and again, I know we don't talk a lot about the stock market here. And every now and again, we talk about different ways that we can invest um, that might be new. Uh, we, I know we talked to ESG with Goldman Sachs, Catherine board LeMay the other day, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's something where we're, um, we're, we're obviously the rise of the stock market and positive results. I think that has led people to lots of different decisions, which we're going to talk about a little bit in, in trends here today. Yeah. So, so I think that's kind of the update, uh, uh, again, I'll just kind of throw in for me. Um, I have an eight-year-old, um, and he just went back to school uh, the other day. Here, <laughs> things are going great there, so we were putting him on the bus and then picking him up uh, when he comes off the bus. So that's kind of been our thing. Still doing a, you know, for me, I will work from home a little bit. We'll be in the office some, and especially wherever clients uh, need to meet with us or or not. Uh, that, that's kind of been a lot of the, uh, the, the thing for us. So we're mm. winding down summer, winding <laughs> up fall, pumpkin, everything, of course. That's right. And, um, and that's kind of the, the update for me. How about you, Curtis? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a busy summer as you know. Um, so I actually got married in June. So the, the guidance point family is growing in more ways mm-hmm. than one. We have Abby, right. Abby having her baby and, and I brought in my wife now. So we're all, uh, expanding here but no it, it was great it was uh, a busy summer um kind of leading up to the wedding and you talk about uncertainty with our meetings right now that was uh uncertainty is a good word for it uh, planning a wedding in a the heat of a pandemic so um but now everything went well it was a lot of fun and and couldn't be more thrilled so that's my and, big news. Well, and, congr- <laughs> and congratulations, because I know that's that's just a it's a big life milestone, regardless. And I know our show is a lot about life milestones, and and we all want things to go perfectly well. And it's of course tough when you have no control over <laughs> things in our lives. Exactly. Uh, but also, I know um, you know from my own perspective, and Curtis from yours, and just interacting on a day-to-day basis, a lot of pent-up demand for weddings. So yeah. going to enough weddings and people that have been planning this for a long time, yeah, and and now that those are so it's kind of like 
I think that's added to the calendar stress as well as we've been, sure. we've been traveling to lots of family and, and, uh, friend engagements and, and weddings and mm. all the, all the family reunions and friend reunions, all those things has been, it's been great. It's yeah. been really great. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for that. Um, and I, I know we want to talk, a kind of next was a little bit about what's been happening with our show. Yeah. Right. And I obviously at episode 49, we've been getting some questions and hey, where are you guys going to go next? And how how have you guys thought, you know, in Ben and Curtis and Abby, what are your thoughts and how how this has gone? And and that there's lots of ways to measure success, which is we talked about that ad nauseum. <laughs> but uh, but here's I think one of the share of the first part is we've we've actually just celebrated our 5000th download. Yeah. So. Uh, I think starting this in September, 2019. I say we're approaching two years here. Almost. So yeah, yeah. We, I think two years here and probably, I think our first episode was September 15th or 16th yeah. in 2019. Yeah. So of course we're recording, I think in July and August leading up to it, mm -hmm. but from a official release. Uh, yeah. So getting 5,000 people to tune in and hear what we have to say in a, in a two year period is, um, is a pretty flattering thing, honestly, yeah. from our end. Yeah. Um, my own end anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, I think that's the first part we want to celebrate is, Hey, 5,000. It's a, it's a really, it's a great number. I think we're very happy with how, uh, people are receiving it and what they've been saying back to us. Yeah. And Ben, I'll, I'll kind of add to there of that, that 5,000 number, I think we're around 4,500 of it in the United States, but a piece that kind of stuck out to me, and I know we've talked about this off air, um, but we've had listens in, in kind of all over the world. You know, we've had Thailand, the Philippines, Canada, the UK, Ireland, Norway, Sweden, Germany, Australia, Taiwan, Belgium, uh, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Turkey, Singapore, Romania, the Netherlands, Antigua, Barbuda, uh, Barbuda? Barbuda. Uh, yeah. Kenya, Italy, India, France, Spain, the Czech Republic, and South Africa. So not only are we in the United States, uh, we're pretty much all over the world. So that's uh, pretty incredible, I think. And I, I ran out of fingers and toes there as you're <laughs> as you're doing it. So I think I got 26 countries out of that. I think you're right. Yeah. So out of you know, geez, talk about hey, we're talking about Maine. We're talking about people coming to Maine. Pretty pretty cool that there's a little bit of um, hey we you know a dozen listens here and two dozen listens there and just people again searching for certain content stumbled on the show kept listening kind of again pretty cool um, yeah. so yeah so that's um, that's kind of the thing there uh, also I'll say you know as you list as you mentioned we have listens all all throughout the world. In the United States. So again, I think if you had asked us two years ago, all right, guys, what do you think? Where do you think people are going to listen to it? Like, well, duh, Maine. You would right? think, yeah. <laughs> Maine. And that's going to be the listens, which is kind of, it's fine, right? That's exactly what we were kind of thinking. But um, honestly, it's, I think a third of the total listens are in Maine. But the rest are, as you said, 45 listens throughout the United States, um, you know, it's really all over is kind it of what's is. been happening. So we've had listens in all, in every state but six. Okay. And and I'll I'll call them out here because, <laughs> you know, we need to shame them, people uh, listening. So West Virginia, Iowa, South Dakota, Idaho, Alaska, and Hawaii. That's it. Wow. 
Yeah. So everybody, so every other state has listenership yeah. and uh, downloads there, yeah. except for those six. So we're looking at you. We, we need you guys to tune in in those six states. It's kind of spread out too. You know, it's not like it's just one region. Um, they're just kind of plotted. That's a that's quite a road trip. And then of course we got to get to Hawaii somehow. But um, right. Yeah, that's doable. But I guess, but I guess, if you're in Hawaii, why would you dream about retiring to Maine? I that's, mean, you're kind yeah, of true. you're kind of there, right? That's true. This is true. Uh, also, kind of add, um, we did get a little accolade as well that we were uh, named number seven on the top wealth management podcasts you must follow in 2021, and. I will say, this is, I think there's about uh, 18 different podcasts from mm. firms that are much bigger with uh, <laughs> a lot bigger asset sizes and uh, longer client lists than what we have. Mm. So I, I think what, what's pretty cool about that in terms of where we landed is that I think our show has some resonation here that it's, it's really um, it's a, obviously not just asking our own clients to listen to this and see if that's a, there's an interest. Uh, but also people that are outside of that, uh, which I, th- I think why that kind of came on that list. And mm. again, we got they measure it by domain authority and they measure it by reach and followership on on different categories. So, yeah, yeah so that's kind of the, the, the thing that I thought was pretty cool. It's like, hey, geez, we're, we're on this list. Yeah. And and another kind of list we popped on Ben too, um, uh, Chartable. Yep. Um, so they are a podcast podcast. Uh, chart they track podcast charting across all the major platforms so our show has been in the top 1000 um measured on apple podcasts for in the u.s for education so i thought that was pretty interesting too you know we you know you and i talk about wanting this podcast and abby we've had these conversations to be just a resource you know if you know the listenership we've gotten has been incredible um, but that wasn't necessarily the goal at the beginning. We just wanted to to put a resource out there that people could listen to and hopefully learn a thing or two. So, so I think that's incredible that we're we're starting to get some notice there as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of joke too. Is I, uh, so Chris, I know your mom is a teacher. It's exactly. And my dad's a teacher. That's right. So uh, kind of funny at the end of the day <laughs> is like you know the apple not falling too far from the tree here, right. and we're we're doing our you know, our thing in the financial planning and uh, wealth management field. Mm. And here we are creating a podcast, which we're teaching, right? We're teaching, we're learning ourselves um, and charting for education. So again, kind of, you you know, again, kind of from a roots perspective of, you know, nature and nurture, it's, it's uh, sometimes tough to run away from some of the genes and who you are and how you're raised and in all that background. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. From, I guess, personal, personal slants there. I agree. And last thing we just want to share with you about uh, some of the success on the podcast. Um, So again, we, Social media is is one way to, again, if we're kind of measuring people that are following and and kind of, again, people can follow us lots of different ways. But um, one thing I I will just kind of give a shout out to Curtis here um, for a a lot of the work that he does. So he, so Curtis has taken a lot of our shows and he's cutting up uh, a lot of our shows into clips. And so for those that maybe don't want to listen or, or they can't listen uh, for a longer period of time or, you know, again, some people are on certain platforms. They don't know how to read a podcast, listen to a podcast or check things out that way. Uh, 
what Curtis has done, which is I thought was a really kind of great way to promote the show, but also to have people connect that don't have time to listen to a podcast was create clips of our show. So yeah. here's, here's us asking a question. Here's what the expert answered. And, and that has really helped grow our, our followership. So if you combine Facebook and LinkedIn together, we're nearing a thousand uh, followers combined between the two mm-hmm. and we're getting lots of good reactions and, comments and you know all the all the ways that people interact on social media um on those clips so it's again really cool way that people that have never checked out our show or you know they can discover us um they can also see what we've been talking about and and it's just is a really great way for people to access this and we get it if people can't uh, spend the hour or so to to kind of listen to a show at a time so yeah. again kind of a cool thing that you're doing curtis so thanks for for all the effort there yeah it, we just uh we need a new follower from each of our six states and we'll get over a thousand followers so there, there you go. go we'll get two birds and one stone there get a listener right. and a and a follower from each state so okay so that's that's your guys homework out there if, <laughs> if, if you know somebody in those six states we need you to make a phone call for us and say hey can you can you check out this show um we want to do also again kind of potpourri is uh, is another thing is um is kind of talking about resources and i know uh for for a lot of people that we engage with is they're always kind of looking for things that should be checking out or things that sh- maybe can help keep them up to date on what's happening mm-hmm. um so again this is hopefully a resource for you uh and we're, we're going to cover some trends here in a second but uh one thing that uh I know Curtis and I have found really helpful and our team uh, at large has been uh, the American Society of Aging has a daily free newsletter. So if you do a Google search for uh, Generation Smart Brief, it is a uh, age related news and update newsletter. So it's typically on a daily basis. I think it's uh, uh, late afternoon is when it comes out, but they they really kind of cover anything impacting age um, in in ageism in culture, economic security. So again, a lot of social security news, what's happening, social security, um, equity and justice is, is a kind of an area that they've kind of covered and how it's impacting people as they're aging health and well-being. Again, healthcare is a big concern and what's happening with Medicare and what's going to be covered and how it's changing year over year. Hmm. Innovation and social impact. So again, we had John Deal, which is probably our number one uh, ranked podcast in MIT Age Lab, talking about technology. So innovation is something where here's what's impacting people as we're aging, and then policy and perspective. So what's what's happening with uh, Congress and legislation uh, legislation that's out there, and what are some things that might be coming down the road that might be impacting us? So again, we we just. actually ask if you if it's interesting to you just check it out it's a again we don't get paid by anybody here and all these plugs that we're doing but um, i think i think you might find it helpful because i think this keeps us up to date as well on our our side as we're advocating for our clients but um you know from uh, again generation smart brief is the name of the newsletter there um, and also some of the trends that we're going to be speaking to today, we, we were able to get from seniorliving.org. Yep. So, uh, check that out again. I know, um, uh, we had Dr. Sarah Seth Geber come on. She's a regular contributor to seniorliving.org as well. So yep. again, th- these things have all been things we've kind of said, Hey, who's having conversations about aging and retirement? We got to talk to them. So that's how we've been kind of finding some of our guests is reaching out to these experts in these areas. And it's it's been really great. So um, 
Curtis, you want me to take the retirement trend to start off, or do you want to you yeah. take this first one here? Yeah, go ahead, and you can kick us off here, Ben. Okay. So retirement trends, I, I think that's the, the area we wanted to cover with you guys today. Of All right, we talk about retirement, but what's actually happening, right? Because I think we, we kind of spend a little bit of time of, hey, here's some ways to do it, or here's some ways to think about it, or here's some ways to improve. But you know, I think it might be helpful to level set a little bit here and talk about what's actually happening in, in retirement. And in, 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 again, retirement meaning really getting done from the workforce overall. Hmm. So New York Times had an article on May 5th of this year, 2021, um, really talking about the retirement rate has rose more for people 65 to 74. It was 65.6% in the year up to March, 2021. So again, think about what was happening yeah. last March, 2021. Yeah. Uh, so it was, uh, uh, actually, so yeah, over the pandemic, it was 65.6. Right. The year previous is 64%. So 1.6% uh, uptick in retirements over that one year during the pandemic. Yeah. And that has been the highest rate we have seen in retirement since 2011. So think mm. back to 2011. You actually still had some echoes of the financial crisis, um, a lot of stress kind of being worked through there and lots of layoffs happening from uh, from that really deep recession. Uh, so that that's the highest unemployment that we uh, – sorry, retirement rate we've had since 2011. It is still below the 2001 level. Mm. Interesting. So – Interesting, I think, as a theme yeah. is retirement rates are going up as we experience recession, right? So I, I think as we experience recession, one of the things we experience is job losses. Sure. So if, hey, all of a sudden I suffer a job loss, you know, hey, raise my hand, you know, hey, you know, there could be volunteer retirement, involuntary retirement. Yeah. Maybe it's just telling me something. Maybe I just need to get done. And, and so that's typically what we see. And again, from our end, not surprising that you're seeing that uh, retirement rate going up. So again, what was, what was uh anecdote of there from New York times job losses and business closings would have prompted some older workers to retire earlier than they expected a pattern seen in previous recessions. Another factor though, Older workers were more at risk than young, younger ones from coronavirus. Yeah. So at the same time, your, our home prices and stock market value rose. So putting some owners of such assets in a better position financially retire. So as we go, hey, I'm more at risk from this virus, potentially. But meanwhile, my finances are the best I probably have seen in some time. Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's just let's just kind of call it a day and be done with it. Yeah. And and again, I think that's where that thought has come up quite a bit. And we've actually been getting lots of people just reaching out to us and saying, Hey, can you just give me a confirmation here? Yeah. Because I think this is saying that's, that's, that's going to work, yeah. but I don't really know. I need someone third party to really give it to me straight. Give me an independent assessment of whether I can or cannot retire at this point. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I think that's, that's the that's the first part, um, and then I think the the rise in retirement during the pandemic. So again, while the, it, it did go up, it is small relative to the longer term decline in retirement rates. Mm -hmm. So 
again, I know we're, we've talked about this with, um, with Elisa Spain. We've talked about other people, this idea of work being a choice. I actually like working. I actually like want to part-time work. I want to do maybe scale back some of my work and be doing consulting or, or do some other way to participate in the workforce. Cause it gives me purpose. I feel like I'm lending my skills. So actually we're having a longer term decline in retirement rates. So what we, what we're kind of hearing and seeing is, so we're living longer, so we can, right. So we can, uh, um, work longer and also we're, we're in less physically demanding jobs, right? So the you know, majority of the United States is turning into uh white collar jobs, not blue. Yeah. yeah. And more recently too, Ben, everyone's doing those white collar jobs at home. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and the comfort and, comfort level there has got to got to help. And we, I, I'm just thinking about one conversation you and I had, and Abby had with a with a client over the summer, and they were saying, "Hey, I would have probably been retired in a year or so, but if I'm going to be able to work from home, yeah. I could I could do this for the next three, four, five years. Exactly. If I'm going to make that money and work from home, be more comfortable, yep. be happier, yep, um, in a place where I want to be. So, again, those. I think that's a really great point you brought up there. Um, and also people, uh, you know, there's a rise in the minimum age to collect full Social Security benefits. Again, yeah. we we had that talk with Elizabeth Newport in one yeah. of our shows. Yeah. So I think all those things are kind of lowering the retirement rate mm-hmm. of how many people are retired out of the workforce. Um but again, so what's been expected is while it, while it did rise, that it isn't expected to continue to do so because of all those things. And and there might be people who retire, but maybe that was a false retirement. Maybe they come sure. back to the workforce as well. Yeah. You know, you think about early on in the pandemic, rewind to, to March 2020, all those people that spike, as you talked about, who just said, you know what? No, like I'm done. This is it. I'm going to retire for whatever reason, whether it was health or they were forced to, you know, cause they're, they lost their job or whatever it may be. You know, I think that was a, a, an initial reaction there. Um, and as the world has sort of shifted to this remote work, um, certainly there's capability to work remote all the time. Now, I think in a lot more places to your point, people may be going back. And, and, and top of that too, is I think we might have displacement of, of work as well, yeah. right? Is there might be jobs that, um, you know, I'm thinking of healthcare yeah. and uh, we have a lot of healthcare systems that are really large employers in our state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it is really hard to deliver healthcare in, in a setting other than seeing somebody at times. And there's a lot of workers that need to be on site to get things done and, and you know, they're grand ground zero for whether it be this pandemic, but other illnesses that might uh, might be around, and I think people are examining that. Of well, is this really what I want to do? And you know, and I, or I might be envious of the people that are working from home, and I'm not able to. I, I think there might be some sort of transition as well, longer term, of where do people desire what they want to do, where they want to do it, how they want to do it. Um, I think is is part of this as well. Hmm. So I think that's a that's that's maybe a, a kind of a trend here of again if if you find more of a match to it you might be able to uh, kind of work longer and maybe sure. make uh, either close to what you were making before or even just some of it as a partial just to lengthen you know lengthen how your financial assets uh, last in retirement for sure so 
That was a good uh, good kind of trend to kick us off here, Ben. I want to bring one up to the table here. Um, and I'll, kind of the headline here is upsizing is the new downsizing. Mm. So, right, we just had our great conversation with Kim Dorsky very recently. I think it was our most recent episode. Actually, I think it was episode 48 um, about kind of right sizing or downsizing, if you will, um, and kind of how to work through that. Um, but this article that I'm going to reference from, from Forbes talks about upsizing versus downsizing. And I, I just thought it was a really interesting kind of viewpoint. So when most people imagine their retirement, they envision selling their family home for a tidy profit and downsizing into something smaller, which I think is a kind of a natural thought that I, I sure. certainly thought of like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in a 2021 trans America survey, three and four retirees own their homes while 22% rent and 2% live with friends or relatives. Many retirees wish to stay in their own homes as they get older. About 90% of those surveyed, which that's something we've talked about. It's been a we constant over and over. on this, yep. this podcast is a constant of people trying to stay in their homes as long as possible. Um, but four in 10 retirees have moved since retiring. So of the retirees surveyed, only 29% of those that moved have listed downsizing as the reason, which was interesting. So if downsizing is the path that is so often portrayed in retirement, why do so few retirees actually downsize? Is downsizing right for you? This can be incredibly difficult to gauge because you've never been retired before. Even if you've given retirement a trial run until you've actually retired and understand how much time you know, you're actually going to spend at home or traveling to a new destination, you won't know what size, what size home may be the right fit for you. Often retirees find themselves upsizing in retirement. And of course, right now, during a particularly hot real estate market, you may be able to make a great profit on your home. Combine that profit with low interest rates and retirees often end up purchasing a larger, more luxurious home than they had had before. Conversely, retirees may end up purchasing multiple homes. And I think that's a theme we see too here in kind of our demographic, Ben. You're right. We have clients with places in Florida or Arizona, the kind of the warmer climates. That or, or again, this whole concept we've had, and I know uh, Tim Benoit talked about it, was this whole, hey, you know, I had so many great memories of being on this lake. Yep. I always visioned having our family all together. I'm an empty nester. I want to. I want to invest in something for people to come back to the camp. Let's get the camp. Let's get that place where people can kind of find. So this this is kind of the we we've been experiencing that a lot. Yeah, and and kind of this article adds to that. You know, this idea of upsizing you know, it may go beyond just your home as well. You know, retirees can upsize in several ways from large purchases such as RVs or boats, um, or in addition to, you know, upsizing to that larger home. Um, they also may invest in upgrades to their current home, such as renovations or adding a pool. And I will speak for myself that over the past two years, not that I'm anywhere near being a retiree, um, we've added a lot of upgrades to our home because we spent so much time in it. So I think if mm -hmm. I kind of fast forward that it's relative to if I were retirement age, I'd say, yeah, I do want to, you know, make sure this home is, is how I really want it. Considering the last two years, we've spent 90% of our time in it. Uh, I'll, I'll also kind of say too, is I know one thing that was in that article too, is that retirees are investing in multiple homes as investment properties. Cause yeah. they're saying, you know, 
worst case scenario, say I don't spend any time in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I am comfortable enough to do Airbnb in this. I am comfortable enough to uh, rent that out and get investment income from it, but maybe helps pay it off as from a mortgage perspective, but also allows me to kind of have residual um, asset value from that. Because again, uh, you know, market values of homes have have gone up here. Yeah. So I think those are something that has come up as well. And I know our colleague Abby is, um, you yeah. know, that, that's, she's very much in the investment uh, property um, game, and mm-hmm. and that's something that her and her husband like to do together, and they like spend their time doing those things um, as well. But uh, but yeah, you're right. Is I think there's it's it's not. What's interesting about that survey is not just this whole, hey, we retire, immediately trade into a smaller home that's a little um, kind of easier to keep up with or maybe age-proofed is, is I think, kind of – again, as a society, we're kind of spenders. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we're, we're used to going – Maybe it's the same size home, but it just is nicer than exactly. I've had. Exactly. That, and, nicer, and so, newer, whatever it may be, on a better location. So, so upsizing, I think maybe people maybe have the connotation in their heads of, well, that means I'm going from this many square feet to this many square feet plus 50%. Um, and I, I think that was an interesting lay of either improving or uh, kind of adding more things to your property overall. Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of wrap up the upsizing trend, the article does kind of go into discuss kind of the why. And, and, you know, it's all the things I think that we've hit on in the last few minutes. But they talk about the stock market had historic rises over the past 10 years. So, you know, people are feeling good, right? They're in the best kind of financial position they've ever been in. The housing market is going absolutely insane and still is with no end that appears to be in sight. So, you know, I think that's a, a, a huge impact there. The pandemic, like we talked about, and like I spoke about with my experience, it changes how you live your lives, right? You're at home more, you changes how you travel, you're not traveling as much, you're investing more time and effort into your home and living. So and again, for that to be classified as upsizing, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, we talked about it quickly, the low interest rates, and it's easier to, to get into a larger home. And it, it may be less financing or you may end up with a similar payment if you had you know mortgage if you had an older hadn't you know refinanced in a while and you had high interest rates and this one i thought was really interesting was fomo um or the fear of missing out and it's something that i think it it makes sense to me now that i i see it as retirees see their their colleagues or friends and family kind of upsizing from their homes or purchasing multiple properties and they feel like they need to keep up, right? You spoke as us kind of societally um, being spenders. I think there's a lot of kind of keeping up with the Joneses, if you will, too, that goes on. So I, I thought that was really interesting as well. And it, it feels like that's an int- it's an interesting thing because I, I could certainly say with some of our client base, there's enough that they they do kind of like keeping up with the Joneses a little bit and they want to go, well, geez. Hey, that person's this and I'm that I've done this in my life and I feel like I'm also deserving of that as well. Mm. So I I think there's, but then that we have, uh, I think a lot of clients are quite the opposite is they go, well, that's good for you. But I, I really, you know, this is what I want and this is how I want to do this. And, and they're, I think very independent, they're thinking, and they actually have no, so actually they get turned off on the FOMO thing as they go, Mm -hmm. Hey, cool that you're doing it. I didn't want to do that. So uh, again, it's interesting people, 
we all there's all different types and all different uh kind of experiences there but uh, but yeah so i think fomo yeah it, it really can <laughs> yeah it can kind of play in yeah and I, and i know one of the last ones there about like lifestyle and personal happiness right and i think that's, that's something from a mm. visualization perspective of well where do you want to be? What sort of home do you want to have? Why do you want it to be that size? What sort of activities and family things and friend things do you want to do or not do? Right. Um, you know, I, I would say that, um, you know, my wife and I, Kara, we're not really the entertainment type. We're not the people that are going to, hey, come on over and let's host 30 people and right. let, let's have barbecues for all that. So it's like that's so our home is really more comfortable to us and how we're doing things and not like well, this is an entertainment type home and we got to have lots of space for, right. for kind of those sorts of events. But a lot of people are, yeah. and I, I yeah. completely get that. Yeah. So anyway, that's, I think that's a, as an also an interesting part there too. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll add another trend here, which we're seeing um, is legislative uh, policy change being discussed right now, too. And, and kind of think back to 2020 uh, during kind of coronavirus, there was the, the CARES Act and the CARES Act had um, provisions in that which allowed people to really have access to their money um, if they were impacted by coronavirus. So, again, the age 59 and a half, 10 uh, percent penalty if you withdrew retirement money before that age. So that was waived if you had that coronavirus-related expense. Yeah. Um, there were, uh, again, suspending the required minimum distribution for only 2020. Things like that were happening. SECURE Act was, was I think, the, uh, the previous year yeah. and kind of making some changes there as well. And I think the RMD age changed from 70.5 to 72 was one yep. of those changes. Yep. So what's being talked about is this another uh, Secure Act 2.0 to get more flexibility for our retirement savings. And again, we're a lot of the clients that we have, they've saved a lot of money into retirement savings themselves. That's where a lot of their net worth is. Yeah. So right now, today, this hasn't been uh, uh, voted on nor passed, but it has a good chance of being uh, being voted on and possibly passed. So if passed, the bill would further increase the required minimum distribution age from 72 to 75. Mm. Now, just a reminder of how that works is the RMD, if you have a retirement account, it, the IRS says as a percentage of your account balance as the previous year is 1231, you have to take a percentage of what the value was. And yep. you have the whole next calendar year to take that money uh, to meet the minimum. That's a minimum distribution. You can take it any which way you want, but it has to come out of that retirement account. Again, some clients go, you know, I don't need the money. Well, you could then do other things with it, just pad savings or yep. put it back into a brokerage account and invest it there. But um, typically, our clients, they live on this money. So yeah. usually the minimum doesn't come into as much of a play. So, right. But the talk is that it would increase from 72 to 75. Okay. So again, you kind of get two increases almost in two to three calendar years, potentially yeah. going from 70 and a half to 75. And yeah, they're big jumps, too. Yeah, yeah. So not just like half a year or a year. It's like really pushing it. Mm -hmm. um, and also allows some older workers to make even larger contributions to their retirement accounts. Again, there's that catch-up contribution. They're being talk talked about really kind of using that to kind of super jump start your retirement if you're a late starter into that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, also, the pandemic has caused some analysts to pro- project that Social Security Trust Fund may run out of money earlier than originally expected. So as a result, those near retirement may be tempted to start benefits early. We were having that conversation a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Is, hey, mm-hmm. should I just take it at 62? Because I know, hey, I'm just going to retire anyway. Why not do that? We've gone through the pros and cons. And Libby Newport, I think, did a good job talking Fantastic. through those yeah. pros and cons, too. And recessions tend to lead to an increase in people starting benefits at age 62, the earliest age possible. So if you're nearing retirement, the timing of your filing decision is one of the most critical and largely irreversible retirement decisions you'll make. So make an informed choice. Generally, we suggest that investors in good health and with the means to do so, wait as long as possible up to age 70 to start Social Security. Mm-hmm. So it's something where, again, I think we help people a lot in that decision of when do I take Social Security? Yeah. When does it make sense for me? Um, and, and again, part of it is we've talked about work here. If you are going to go back to work, there's that age, the the earnings test. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's something that's pretty important, um, as well. And, and then I think lastly, there our our clients are interested in exploring, are they interested in exploring ways to become more flexible in the work lives in the fifties? That's a trend that we've been seeing a lot too, Yeah, is what if I want to go take a sabbatical? for a year or two. What if I want to go work part-time some and then full-time? I think this whole like 50 to 65 year age group, again, what we've been hearing is they're looking for flexibility. They're looking for ways to be a little more independent in their work lives. Mm -hmm. And how are my savings aligned to allow this to happen? And we're seeing that a lot of our, uh, the people that are coming to us asking that question are not set up to do that. Yeah. So that's, that's been some of our advice set is around helping people create the flexibility might not be the most tax advantageous way to do things, <laughs> but it creates flexibility. And Curtis and I just had this conversation with the client, I think two days ago yeah. was, was something that yeah. we were talking about this. So yeah. anyway, I think that's, that's something where, um, is being explored more and more in our, in our, um, client set for sure. So, so I want to kind of keep going here, Ben, on these retirement trends and, and specifically the idea of retirement, like why are people retiring, right? So that's kind mm-hmm. of built around our whole show is this retirement success in Maine podcast and, and trying to find not only how people can retire successfully, but what it means to retire successfully, when's the best time. And that's when it kind of ties into this why. So, so you teased this a little earlier with the seniorliving.org, um, but they had a research uh, article about why people retire. And I just want to read off some statistics to you, Ben, because it, it, I thought they were very interesting. So the reasons for retiring can be voluntary or involuntary. When it's voluntary, the most common reasons are desire to do other things was at 48% at a normal retirement age was 45% and dislike of current work was at 14%. And I will say for those of you doing the math on that survey respondents, uh, were able to choose multiple answers there. Um, so, and then kind of flip side of that, the involuntary retirements. So the most common reasons there were health issue was the leader at 29%. Um, people having to caretake for relatives or friends was in second at 15%. Um, or being forced to retire, or there's no work available at 11%. So, and just kind of a little further more on that, uh, 29% of people who retired in the year prior to May 2020 cited COVID-19 as a factor. These people were more likely 
to say they involuntarily retired due to lack of available work or because their jobs forced them to. So I, I think what what's interesting about that is the whole like voluntary like dislike of current work. Yeah. I would have thought that would have been higher is kind of I would have too, I think. My thought. Um so I know people like again, they might go, I'm gonna even though I do dislike my retirement, I am gonna wait for the retirement age. So maybe mm. that's kind of the play into it. But I would have thought dislike um and and I certainly I'll agree with you there, Ben. I, I certainly would expect in the recent you know, year and a half, two year window that that number would even be higher, even if it was a a short term number, just because we've talked about people kind of reassessing their lives and how we live day to day and and going through the pandemic, I would have certainly expected that to be a little higher as well. And there also could be, again, there there could be things about your job you actually liked in the pre pandemic world that you might not like in the post pandemic world. So again, that, that was a number which I thought was, um, uh, pretty interesting too. Uh, I, I will, I want to throw out some more statistics there of, of, um, kind of other ways that retirees are kind of accessing retirement or what they're doing in retirement. I, we thought this was interesting. Yeah. And I know we talked to gray divorce with Joanne Myers. Mm. Uh, so in there's lots of ways that people either they are single leading into retirement for lots of different reasons, or they become single in retirement for lots of different reasons. But um, actually what's, what's interesting is we're seeing that dating apps are starting to help retirees find romantic partners. Mm. And among seniors 55 and over in 2021 choice mutual survey, um, more than a third dated in the past five years. And among those who found love, 18% had success via mutual friends introductions. 13% found their significant other through dating apps. 12% met their partner through community events, parties, and other local activities. And 9% met their partner through casual or everyday activities. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, and sixty six percent of seniors who use dating apps or websites ended up in a relationship with someone they met there um and and you're seeing the the typical um the websites were yeah. you know tinder match dot com hinge plenty of fish bumble eHarmony were also really successful platforms so again kind of going in this realm of it's it's interesting from the, how we're seeing retirement change yeah. is that I think seniors and, and those that are 55 over, especially they're much more capable in technology, this batch, right? They're much yeah. more adaptable into, Hey, you know what? I can hop on a website. I know how to create a username and password. I know how to set up a profile. That's not a big deal. Yeah. I can, I can start engaging this way. So it's this, um, I think I think there. If you kind of rewind twenty years ago, that would have been no. That that's that's very uncomfortable for this group, and and I think we were meeting meeting with one of our um, um, in, investment professionals that we meet with from time to time, and he was even kind of using an analogy of how things change. Of if you look at the uh, Wall Street, New York City, nineteen oh two, there's yeah. one car on the street, and if you fast forward to like I think nineteen fifteen, yeah. the the car the the street was full of cars at that point things are changing right sure and i think that's the point here of hey even from the being um confident being saying hey you know what i still want to find companionship i still want to find partnership in life and and hey just because i'm a certain age doesn't mean i'm not capable or able to do all this stuff so i think that was a really kind of 
cool uh, thing, I, I think, as a takeaway from the statistic from senior living there, too. Yeah, and kind of a few more statistics that I kind of want to throw in there, Ben, regarding technology. Um, so for the average amount that adults 50 years old and over spent on technology in the year 2019 was $1,144. And I would go on a limb to think that would have gone up in 2020 and 2021 by force of um, again, the, the times that we lived in and are cur- currently living in with, mm-hmm. with being stuck at home and whatnot. Um, but I thought that was, that was interesting. And, and the top three tech purchases, um, were smartphones, smart TVs, Bluetooth headsets, and earbuds. So again, it makes sense. You know, you, you, you gotta have your TVs and the smartphones really make sense to me, you know, as you talk about, um, FaceTime or, or Zoom or Skype or whatever it is with, particularly with retirees and grandchildren and staying in touch with friends or family. Um, so I thought those were some good numbers. Uh, a few more I'll rattle off here. 64% of the 50 plus, um, set owned a smart TV in 2020, which was a noticeable increase from the 49% in 2019. Um, 50 plus, uh, percent of seniors 70 and older, uh, now own a smart TV. 80% of adults 50 and older use tech to stay connected with family, friends, COVID-19 prompted many to try this method. Um, 44% of the older adults surveyed feel more positively about technology now than they did before the pandemic emerged. And I think that kind of goes with what you were talking about, Ben, with the dating, uh, websites and apps, just an overall comfortability. And I'll say too, is like, even from our client experience, like again, we've shifted to zoom more, right? We've shifted to Google meet and, uh, teams and all the different platforms. And you know, like, you know, geez, we got some 80, 90 year old clients. They're on it. Yeah. Like they were like, okay, I yeah. got this. Like yeah. we can shift to this. Not a big deal. I'm like, well, look at you. That like that that again. This blew my mind. Yeah. I, yeah. I had no idea yeah. that it was like. Or they're, they're telling they us were, how to do something on exactly, Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh well, on, you know, on Zoom you just press that button. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, it's incredible. And and uh, if you don't mind, you want me to keep going off with some of these statistics we have here. or um, well, and, and I think I think the larger point here is just kind of like again having at, basically being tablet owning seniors yeah. um, that that we're seeing um, the retirees use more streaming across the board. Yeah, um, they're using high speed wired internet mm. um, in in their homes. Yep. and again, I know Maine's challenged here, right? Is, yeah. And yeah. that's something, but I think where if we're challenged from a wired internet perspective, most. Um, most uh, retirees have, as you said, smartphones, right? Yeah. So it's another way to kind of get around some of that as well. Yeah. Um, but but I think that's where uh, I think that's where something that uh, is is there too. I will say from when I one thing I heard from the state of Maine uh, AARP listening session, uh, this statistic rang true from what I heard in that session. And again for Maine, sixty percent of all adults fifty and over say the cost of internet access is an issue. And, yep. and I, I, I agree yep. with that. I, I think yep. we're you know, that's a very large bill for lots of people. Yep. And and it's something where um again it's almost now more and more critical as it is water and yeah. to get access to the outside world. And if I'm in Clifton, if I'm in, you know, Callis, if I'm in, yeah. you know, uh Matawaska, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to name areas which might be a little bit more uh, 
you wouldn't have heard of. Yeah. But that's those are those are areas I think if you have internet access, it keeps you connected to the larger world. I think that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll also kind of point out too social media. So I know, again, social media is political and divisive in terms of there's an echo chamber effect that's happening here. But more and more, again, we talk we talk about our show companionship and and keeping your social network refreshed, investing in the people that you can spend your time with over time. Again, how can I connect with these people? And again, Internet access to the first part. But if they're on social media, I need yeah. to have internet access. Sure, yeah. Uh, but but we're seeing among among age uh, sixty five and older folks, the percentage of people of those people that use various social media platforms, Facebook fifty percent. Yeah. Uh, YouTube, which by the way, I I don't I kind of don't understand YouTube as I being know. a social media platform. Yeah. It's video, but yeah. okay, forty nine percent. And then you start getting into I think which. Uh, I, I think the younger generations are more apt to rotate into. Um, and I think maybe it takes a little bit longer for other generations as we're aging, but Instagram, 13%, Pinterest, 18, LinkedIn, 11, Twitter, seven, TikTok four. you know, those yeah. sorts of platforms are very yeah. niche and kind of, honestly, those um, numbers seem high to me for this demographic. <laughs> yes. But you know, Chris McLaughlin said about, yeah. hey, you know, you got a relationship with your grandkid and it's true. You know, or or your daughter or son and, you know, maybe sending them a Snapchat and mm-hmm. learning it and figuring it out. And that's how they communicate. So cool yeah. on those numbers, I think, is, yep. is pretty neat. Uh, but also, I, we kind of focus a little bit on this age 50 to 64 at times because this pre-retirement, yeah. trying to visualize it. Again, the percentage on social media platforms for that group YouTube, 83%. Facebook, 73%. Yeah, that's the big one. So that wave is coming, right? Yep. In Instagram, 29, Pinterest, 38, LinkedIn, 33. Numbers overall higher. Yep. It's a much more connected group, that 50 to 64, than 65 and older. Yeah. But kudos to that 65 and older group because, again, yeah. kind of connecting with friends and family that have been across the, the country and the world. So I think those are really kind of interesting uh, from a from a how are we connected people, how are we going to interact um, and I, I think that's that's really important overall. And I, again, I'll give a quick plug too. Again, we're, we have we've chosen to put our our stuff on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So if you are on those platforms and want to give us a follow, you can check us out there as well. Yeah. But uh, we want to just uh, hopefully you you all found this interesting as a little bit of a different flavor for Curtis and I today. <laughs> um, but we wanted we thought this would be something of hey, a little bit of updates on what's happening in the retirement scene let's do some level setting let's kind of give some updates um and and just a good another way to kind of check in we got some pretty good guests lined up for the next round of people yeah. um so which we're, we're pretty excited about some other areas i think are top of mind for retirees that we're hearing about Cybersecurity is one that um especially yeah. if i'm going to be on social, social media. media yeah exactly how do i keep myself <laughs> safe here yeah. how do i not be a victim of elder abuse those sorts of things lots of really cool uh um, uh, things talking about experience life uh, as a tapas life, things like that we have coming up that I think you guys are going to enjoy. We really appreciate you tuning in to Retirement Success and Main Podcast. Again, this is episode 49. We'll, we'll give some links to the articles there. Yeah. Um, if you go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash 49, you can check out some of the articles that we're referencing here. 
we really thank you all for for tuning in. Um, this has been a wonderful ride so far. We can't wait to see what where we go next. And thanks for all you guys do too. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.